Well, good morning. It's a privilege to be with you this morning. And I have an easy job. I get to introduce our speaker this morning. Pastor Tom has a much-deserved getaway with his family this weekend. And um, it's my joy. We are blessed to have Dr. Um, Stephen Lewis with us here this morning. And I have a bio that's a book long. And uh, needless to say... Dr. Lewis has been in ministry since the mid-70s, equipping, equipping people to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's no stranger to Coast Bible Church. Um, back in the 90s, he was leading and, and teaching at Schaefer Theological Ceremony. He's a Dallas theological grad, married to his beautiful wife, Shan, of 50-plus years. Is that correct? 52 years. Um, he is currently serving at B, um, B World, and is also the current president emeritus at Colorado Biblical University. Um, he was the president and professor of theological studies at Rocky Mountain Bible College um, for about 17 years. He's currently the adjunct professor of Bible and theology at Jordan Evangelical Theological Ceremony, which ministers to grad students from Jordan, Egypt, Judah, uh, uh, Sudan, uh, Syria, and Iraq. Um, he's done a lot and he's been faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ and I can go on and on, but Dr. Lewis, come on up and encourage us in God's word on the way in or on the way out. I encourage you as he's coming up. Um, he has information about his ministry and flyers. If you'd like to, um, be able to pray for his ministry and learn more about it, and encourage you to pick these up. But Dr. Lewis, it's a, pledge, a pleasure to have you here this morning with us at Coast again, and I'll turn it over to you. Good morning. How are you all this morning? Greetings from Colorado, from Arch and his new bride, Sandy, uh, which I have the pleasure to work alongside for these many years, uh, knowing him when he was pastor here at Coast Bible Church. Uh, in years past, and then he moved up to Colorado, and he was the uh, he was the uh, on our board of the college and seminary for many years, and now he is uh, uh, ministering in Myanmar primarily. And if you've not heard anything on the news, it's the fault of the news to not to keep you informed of what's going on in Myanmar. There are atrocities, there are burnings, there's uh, a coup taken over by the military. And Christians are being killed, villages are being uh, burned out, and all the rest there in Myanmar. Yet, Edward and Hannah, that you have the pleasure of being supportive of as well, uh, still exist, still do a great thing there, do a lot of work there, uh, along with other believers, and just a great place. I've ministered there, and I've taught with them, and they are just a great hearty people. I also teach in the Middle East, as has been said. Uh, this year, we did it through Zoom boy you know you know but again you know part of what we're talking about going to be talking about this morning is to be flexible you know we've got to find a way to to keep doing things even though it seems like well we can't do that uh when i when i came to be about seven years ago uh i'm kind of trying to promote people to have a lot of different things in their toolbox to do what god has asked them to do our most formidable way is through facilitating when we go into the countries as was started in 1979 uh, with founders like Jody Dillo and Al Bridges. 
And they went into those countries and they went in clandestinely into behind the Iron Curtain and began to teach and began to develop and disciple those that were believers and to strengthen them in the faith. Uh, and then as the Iron Curtain opened up in 1989, as you know, uh, with the wall coming down, uh, they moved into also into China behind the Bamboo Curtain out of Hong Kong. And we've still been ministering in China until about a year ago. Uh, when all of the uh, others were, all of people were asked to leave. <laughs> Some asked more forcefully than others. And they, we left. But yet the work is still going on. <clears throat> and the work that I do in Africa, along with others there, we just completed a 10-year project of teaching these uh, 16 men from 10 African countries to be strong in God's Word and to be faithful in what he's doing. And they have ministered now down through their groups to about 8,000 people in 10 African countries. And we had a graduation on Zoom. If you think teaching is difficult, try having a graduation where every student is in a different country. They all had their caps and gowns on. They invited family or friends or at their churches. We had over 500 people log into Zoom to watch this as they graduated. Some places they didn't have electricity, so they would go out to their car, plug in their, their phone, start the car up, and go through the rest of the process there. Uh, these, the people that we minister to and among are a privilege for us in a very first world issues that we have. You know, when our internet's not strong, we go, I think the world is coming to an end. And yet, these people survive. And thank you for being supportive of that, for, for supporting Arch and Sandy, and for the others, Edward and Hannah, and the ministry you had in my life, even back in the ni- early 90s when I was with Chafer Seminary, we had our first graduation for the seminary. In college here, uh, I forget what year it was, 90-something, <laughs> forget. And we had a great time here. You've always been a great host for all of us, and I've certainly enjoyed being here with all of you. I want us to look at some things today uh, in light of the book of Joshua. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. I'm trying something different. I'm trying to read from an iPad the scriptures. I'm a book person. I like to have a book, but I have to have a large print book, Bible, now. And so it takes up half of my luggage weight, it would seem. So I'm trying to adapt. So you're an experiment with me as I look at something that I'm not that good at, reading from a small screen. So we're going to look at Joshua chapter 1. And it really takes up at the end of a ministry that has been phenomenal as begun, not only in the book of Genesis to show how these people became the people of God that he had promised. And then finally from the book of Exodus on, we find the people being prepared to to finally be God's people. They go and they are there uh, in the book of Genesis, when they go into Egypt for safety because of a great famine, they were there 400 plus years there, and they became a burden to the Egyptian people and a threat, they thought, to the Egyptian pharaohs. 
So they became oppressed. So God put them through testing. And then finally he raised up a deliverer who was Moses. Moses was not one of those that said, excuse me, pick me, pick me. If anything, he was, as I learned in the military, when they asked for volunteers, look at your shoes. Do not make eye contact because by golly, they're going to get you. So Moses was the one that looked at his shoes most of his adult life until God said, nah, all your excuses, I'll, I'll take care of all that. I'll even give you Aaron to speak for you. He goes, great, my big brother is going to be my spokesman. I'm always going to be Aaron's little brother. How is that going to fly? But instead, God raised up Moses. They took off finally and made it through with miraculous things happening to God's destination for him into the land. Twelve leaders representing the twelve tribes went into the land and they all came back. They all had the same report. Wow, you should see this place. The first years we go in, we don't have to plant. It's ready for us. But (laughs) all of them said, yeah, there's giants in the land. Ten of them have said, well, we probably shouldn't do that. That may not be a good idea. We've assessed the problem. We've done through all of our strategy and all the rest. And, you know, we're, we're no match for these people. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, Yep, God's going to take care of us. But who did the people believe? The consensus. Don't get me started about consensus. Consensus. So they didn't go in. So for 40 years, they wandered around. Now think, if, if this was God's punishment only, he would have not have provided. But in those 40 years, what happened? He provided for them all the way. Their shoes, their sandals didn't wear out. Their vans did not lose their tread. Oh, I grew up in a time here. I grew up in Palm Springs area from my well, from my fourth grade on, and I remember when they going down fifty five and went by the little little bitty hut which was Van's shoes. Now I have to put down payment to get a Van's shoes, but nothing wore out. God provided food. It wasn't the thing he really looked forward to. In fact, it was called manna, which in the Hebrew means, what is it? Now, I was in the Navy uh, for four years. Uh, the last year or so, I was in Vietnam on a carrier. And we had mystery meat as well. But this was not meat, but God provided all the way through. God had told Moses, I will be with you. Be strong and have courage. Now, at the end of that, at the end of the time, they're about to go finally into the land. Now, they're not unaware of what could happen. Joshua and Caleb are still living. Joshua is now going to be the one to lead them into the land. But Joshua was also one of those spies, if you will, that went in and spied out the land and said, as all the others did, by golly, there's some big people there. You should see these people. They're like, woo! And we're, but he had trusted God. So in 40 years. Now, the other thing that we don't get in the passage per se, and that is that 
for 40 years, think of how many funerals must have occurred because all those of leadership age died in that 40 years. Yep, God was going to bring them in because he had made a promise and he is faithful. So he begins the process, and now in the book of Joshua, we're going to look at this thing. So in our first, next slide, this is what we look at today of 2022. In 2021, we went, ah, you know, it's going to be better. It's going to be better. It's going to get so good, we're going to be just doing, wow, it's going to be amazing. What was 2021 like? Hence the Hebrew, ver- Hebrew verbiage, oy vey. And we would think, Lord, can it get worse? So this, I think, as I began to evaluate it, I found this and I thought, that's it. We, we opened the door, but we're all hiding back there, afraid to find out what's behind that door. Now, everybody, all the prognosticators, everybody else has said, here's what's behind there. It's going to be absolutely fabulous. The other person said, this is the age of death. Wow. There's some sobering thoughts in there. But I wanted to share one thing here as we go forward. Next slide. Think about this. If you were, when I grew up, I was told a dog's life is equal to our one year is equal to seven years of a dog's life. I mean, that's what I hear. I, I hear cats have a different strategy. Cats are just trying to kill us. Let's just leave that one alone. It's a plot from the beginning. I can't seem to get this right here. Okay. Now, if, if that's true, think about it. If a year of COVID equals 20 years of a person's life, didn't it feel like that? I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? When I started in 2020, I had dark hair. (laughs) Now, you know I'm lying, but that's okay. But think about it. Now, therefore, we have had two years of that, and that's probably the way that the people of Israel looked at their 40 years in the wilderness equal to two years of COVID. (laughs) Think about it. I mean, it's like, no wonder where they were like, Okay, we'll go in. New Year's Day, okay, we'll see what happens. Which brings us to Joshua. Next slide. This is how they looked at going into the promised land. The same way we look at the next year. They've been through, they've seen God be faithful. But what happens after year after year we see God faithful? What do we tend to do? This is interactive, I've got to tell you that. We're somewhat presumptuous. Ah, of course he's going to keep doing it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or those that go, I don't know how we made it. I was pastoring in, in La Quinta in the 90s for about eight years. Had a deacon there who was the chairman of the deacon board. And this is no lie, every month... At the meeting of elders and deacons, he would say, I don't think we're going to make budget this month. But he always added, and the first thing we're going to cut is pastor's salary. 
I was there eight years. How many times do you think we did not make budget? Zero. But for what? all those years, all those months and years, he said, I don't think we're going to make it this month. That is one way of looking at it. That's one way of looking at 2022. But the other way is God has provided. Think about the history that Israel had even up to this point. He had provided for them. Hey, it wasn't locks and bagels and it wasn't all that. In fact, one day he gave me, you like meat? I'll give you quail for a day. How did that work out? I can't get enough of this stuff. Really? Eat too much, it'll kill you. No, really. God had provided. But we don't always think of it in that way. We always think of it sometimes in a different way, which brings us into trouble too often. Next slide. What has provided for Joshua in the entire book of this entering into the land and the beginning of the conquest is this passage. There's nothing to fear when we trust and obey God. That's, our, that's got to be what we look forward to in 2022. Joshua 1.9 says, Here is what I am commanding you to do. Be strong and brave. Do not be terrified. Do not lose hope. I am the Lord your God. I will be with you everywhere you go. Is that convincing? Yes and no. It is. Yes, it is. But wouldn't it have been nicer if he said, I'm going to make sure you can avoid every problem. I'll take care of it first. That would have been better. He says, so I'm going to be with you. Oh, great. Now we've got a crowd. He didn't say that. And I think there's where we make our error. We assume that when God says, I'm going to provide for you, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to be with you. Wait a minute. I want somebody with me. I want somebody ahead of me. I want somebody to take care of it. Many times how God does it is through our giving up, if you will, our surrendering our strength and resting in his. We still go through it. Still go through it. We still have loss. Today would have been my, di- my father's 96th birthday. Yesterday, we visited his grave at the National Cemetery in Riverside. He was in World War II and in Korea as a sailor, a gunner's mate. So I'm a real son of a gun. Honest, that's what the term, that's what the term comes from. But the th- idea is, is that we went out there. I've not seen my mother since before she passed away in 2020 in June. She died in 2020 in June, a few days after her 92nd birthday, and she was buried alongside or with my father, the remains there at the National Cemetery. So we found the gravestone after an interesting search, because of course on the first day of the year, everything's closed. So I found the number where they would be at, but you have no way of knowing where anything is. But I remember it was near the golf course. This is a providence of God. My dad loved golf. So we was there, and we finally found it. And in that search, we found a spare golf ball that had come over the fence from that golf course. 
So I left it next to my dad's remains there. But you see, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know that, but he says he's going to be with us. Look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, if you have your Bibles. After the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, it came to pass, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan River. They're, on the, they're now back where they were 40 years ago, in a sense, ready to go into the land. You and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Now, if somebody, he said, I'm going to give it to you. And it sounds like, great. It's just ours now. Here's the, here's, here's the, the deed. It's mine now. Not quite. He had to be, they had to be obedient to accomplish what God had intended for them to accomplish. He says in verse 3, Every place that your sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Verse 6, be strong and of good courage. This seems to be the theme of the entire chapters beginning in Joshua. Be strong and courage. For to this people I shall divide as an inheritance of the land, which I swore to your fathers and give them. Only be strong and courageous that you might observe to do all according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Next slide. We've seen Moses lead. Was Moses always a courageous leader? Was he always faithful? Remember one time God said, speak to the rock and water will come out. Moses spoke and God wasn't quick enough. So what did Moses do? Struck the rock. I'll teach you not to listen. Water came out. But because of that disobedience... God said to Moses, you will not enter into the land. Well, that seems kind of harsh. God's directions and his instructions are fairly exact. Sin is a sin, whether we have consensus about it or not. His word is still true. Whether we believe it or not. I'm always amazed when people say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. No, God said it, that settles it. Whether I ever believe it or not, God said it. That's the end of the conversation. When we enter ourselves into that debate, we make it sound as if we're the arbiter of what God does. (laughs) Be careful. Or we would have told Moses, be afraid, Moses, be very afraid. But God didn't tell Moses to be afraid. He said, be strong and of courage. But be obedient. 
He'll be obedient. God chose Joshua to be that next new leader. In the time of the apostles, the apostles could say, because God said so, I say so. Paul, many times in his letters, in the Corinthian letters in particular, he says, Jesus didn't speak about this, but I'm telling you this is it. Because God had instructed him as an apostle. Now, when the apostles died off, who became the authority over the church? Please don't say Peter in Rome. That didn't work. He never lived in Rome. It is not anything else other than the revealed Word of God. This is our authority, the Word of God. It gives us instruction. It gives us our our strength. It gives us our authority. And in the church... The authority rests in the elders, overseers, and other word for bishop, all those as leaders. As they're obedient to God, as they're being faithful at it. In the Western world, we have this thing that says, you're the leader if you're the pastor. Nope, didn't say that. Pastor's one of the equippers in Ephesians 4. The leaders in the local assembly of believers are the elders, bishops, presbyters, all having, it's one, one way of, three different ways of looking at the same offices to be able to accomplish as we do. But that's only under authority of the word of God. So God had promised his people to lead him. He has not left them without a leader. God chooses Joshua to do so. And he gives them a land that all 12 of the men had said 40 years earlier, it's a, man, a, a land flowing with milk and honey. But you're going to have to be obedient because I'm going to be with you. Not instead of you, I'm going to be with you as such. Next slide. So the Israelites wandered for those 40 years. They would participate in, in battles then, but also in battles to come in the land. They had to do that. God told the Israelites that they would conquer all of the people and they must destroy them totally. Because of their disobedience in this, they wandered for 40 years and thus the book of Judges is the the repercussions of that. Now we have that changing of the guard as God had said Joshua's going to take them into the land. Keep going. Next slide. Do you not remember what God said to Moses when he was going back to talk to Pharaoh in Egypt? I will be with you. Remember, Moses was out there at the burning bush, and he asked, right, I'm going to go back to Pharaoh. I'm going to tell him this. Who's going to believe me? God says, I am that I am. Yahweh in the Hebrew. Yahweh is the way we pronounce it because we don't know the vowels that go with Y-H-W-H in the Hebrew, the tetragrammaton. So we don't know, but we, we leave it at that. 
But we've added the vowels from Adonai in the Hebrew, and it comes out Yahweh. Some people translate it Jehovah. The whole idea is I'm with you. I am. I'm the ever-present one. I'm the eternal God of all. He says, I'm going to be with you. So then you remember all the different varieties of excuses Moses had, and God took care of all of them. But still he told them, I, now with Joshua, the changing, he says the same thing he told to Moses. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will never leave you nor ever desert you. Do you anybody remember the fiddler on the roof? Remember that movie? And Tevye's out there discussing with God. A great, great discussion. Excuse me, a monologue, really. He's giving God the what for. And, and Tevye says, God, I know we're the chosen people, but couldn't you have chosen somebody else? Choosing me or us comes with a lot of weight. God only asks to be faithful. Be strong and brave, he told Joshua. You will lead the people. They will take the land and then be your very own. And if you read through the rest of the historical books, you'll find out that they, they, they would have victory, had a great victory at Jericho, remember? What a victory. It's like, whoa. But what did God say when you do, have a victory? Don't, get full, don't take everything. Don't do all. Just leave it all there. So what happened? Some of them went, dude, these people had some really nice things. And they hid it. So the next battle that came up, it was at Ai. And what happens? They get their hat handed to them. And everybody's going, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said he'd be here. Where is he? What happened? Joshua said, yes, disobedience. Remember the condition that he said to all of us? We said to Moses, as long as you're obedient, I'm going to take care of you. But if you're not obedient, you're going to suffer the consequences of that disobedience. So it goes all the way through. It's his people that are there. Next slide. Notice how what God told Joshua to be strong and brave. Many times all the way through the entire book, he tells them that. Why do you think God repeated this over and over these many times? Because it was important. God would take us through these things he wanted Joshua to remember. Why do we need things repeated to us? We forget. Oh, I know you've been faithful, but I don't think you're going to pull through this time. The way faith is built is by trusting God a little bit at a time and remembering his faithfulness in the past. He brought us through that. This December 20th, my wife, we celebrated 52 years. The interesting thing is as much as we try to remember a lot of things, we're not always remembering things. Well, but we can remember enough to see God's faithfulness throughout all circumstances. So when things come up that it looks like, oh, no, it's the end of the world, at least we can see it from here, we know that we can trust. And that's hard. How do we teach that to our children? You let them enter into prayer. 
You don't wait till they're 19 or 20 to go, now we're going to teach you about God. You need to let them pray. You need to bring every generation into a first-hand encounter with Jesus Christ. Share with them the message of life. Putting faith in Jesus Christ gives us that free gift of everlasting life instead of the death that will be forever. It's a simple message. There's a book uh, down by Schoolhouse on teaching children Bible doctrine. It's a real simple little book, very well done. Used it years ago in the 70s. And it was really well done, but the sense is, is that we can teach children all of these things and when you tell them, do you know that God exists in three persons? Do you know what their response is as a little child? Okay. Now, do you really understand the transcendence of God? His substance, the eternality? No. I like to tell a story of when I was a youth, part of the youth group in a Baptist church in, in Cathedral City. And uh, the pastor was about my size gave an invitation, which is a good Southern Baptist thing, every Sunday, to which us in the back said, please, somebody go forward. We don't want 25 more verses of just as I am. Shh, don't tell him I said that. So we're waiting. This little girl goes up, and she's probably about five. She goes up, and she goes, I want to believe in Jesus Christ. And he goes, he looked, loomed over, he goes, do you know what a bad sinner you are? And the little girl goes, no. And she, he called to her father and said, come. Now, when she understands what a bad sinner she is, then we'll talk. How many work in Awana? Raise your hand. The rest of you, shame on you. The best program for children. Wouldn't it have been easier to explain to her how simple it is to receive the free gift of everlasting life? Not by being sorry, really, really, really sorry. I'll tell you what, when I get caught doing something, I'm really, really, really sorry. That's not what God's looking for. He's looking for you to put your faith in him as the one that gives you that free gift of everlasting life. So do we have to be strong and brave that everything is therefore going to be easy? No. (laughs) The Israelites would come to a big river called the Jordan River. Now there's literally hundreds of, probably hundreds of thousands of people with them at this point. And if you remember when they finally go across, God said to put a memorial there. First in the river and then take it and put it on the side. What is that memorial for? Come on, it's in the the word. To remember. I know you forgot. (laughs) To remember. But who is it going to most, who's going to pose the question about why that's there? Not the adults. They know. It's the children. What's that pile of 12 rocks there? Let me tell you what God did. And it goes from generation to generation. That's what we do with our children. Bring them before the Word of God and let God do His work in their lives as such. Next slide. How did, how does, how did God prepare us to get us to where we are today? Think about that. Remembering God's faithfulness. 
in your individual life, in your family, in your heritage of your family, in the church body of believers here? How long has Coast Bible Church been in existence? 1969. That was the year we got married. So that was a good year for starting something. And you, you fared better than sometimes we have. But the system is, is that God has been faithful. God has been faithful. So we have to do it. But then we have to ask this question. What do you expect will happen in this new year? You know, we can go through life in a bubble, at least in bubble wrap. Had a friend who, uh, a pastor locally in their Inglewood area of Colorado, and he uh, liked, he has a, a nice motorcycle, and uh, he had an accident on it. Bunged him up all over. So when he finally got out of the hospital, the church, he was there to preach finally, and they brought in a huge roll of bubble wrap. And said, before you ride again, this is what we want you to wear so you won't do anything stupid. He wore it for that moment. And he's been fairly safe since. You see, that's what we want. That's what we want for our children. I don't want to let them out there. I don't want to let them around other people. I want to wrap them in bubble wrap. I want to make sure everything is safe. I want to make sure every contingency has been planned for. How many of us plan for the contingency of which we're doing today? <laughs> for the last two years, let's say, what could we have done to avoid that? I mean, you know, we thought, well, maybe if we didn't live here, maybe if we didn't live there, maybe if we went here, maybe we didn't eat that, drink this, if we didn't go near people. Sharing with our worship team, I said, you know, pastoring is, is a great thing if it weren't for people. But unfortunately, that's who we are. We have to be involved with people in everyday life, everyday thing. Uh, I, as you know, your, your former pastor, Arch Rutherford, is a good friend. And we've done a lot of fun things together. Sometimes dangerous things together. But he is... He really loves people. He loves to do things with them. I had a colleague, of which in, in the city of Orange, where I was associate pastor there with him, and he would tell that when I first came as his associate, he says, I want to introduce Dr. Lewis. Remember I told you if you ever have a need or a prayer, don't call me. Now he's here, call him. And I said, now, now you, I know you really didn't mean, he said, I mean that. I am their teacher and their teacher only. They want to be taught. So I went to him one day. I said, let's say your wife's having a bad day. She has a daycare center. Next to herding cats, that would be my not-so-good thing. All these kids. I said, let's say she has a bad day, and she just wants you to love on her and to hug her. What would you do? I said, I would teach her. There's something she doesn't know in God's Word. One of them would have been about you. (laughs) I didn't go there. He was my boss. But you see, we ha- life is dirty. Life is unexpected. But as God told Joshua, I'll be with you. Be strong and courageous. Be brave. I'll be with you. Not instead of you, but with you. Next slide. Current studies, because of this last two years, possible 20% 
of people in the local churches will not return. That's a statistic they've just given out. That's, ter- that's a terrible thing. Now, we can say they've all gone online and they're, they're rejoicing with us. They're hearing the sermons and all the rest. And, and, and they're keeping safe. And I praise God for that. But sometimes many of the people are already in re- the process of leaving anyway before COVID. Next slide. Reduced membership expectations has played a role in this departure. It's kind of like, you know, my friends, they left. These friends, they left. Well, I, we ought to leave. It's the body of Christ in the local assembly is going to go through things, but they do it together. The first church I pastored in the 70s was a little bitty Baptist church that should have been closed. I was just too stupid to know. So I went ahead and pastored it anyway. And the people in the community said the previous pastor drove everybody away. He became an older, he became older, younger than I am today, but actually. He had asthma and he would he would get to people and says, If if you don't follow me and if you don't do this, I'm gonna leave. Sure enough, one Sunday they all said, All in favor say aye. And they voted him out. He was crushed. But God built it, and that church is doing well today. God puts us in places with people for a reason, and they become part of your family. The people that you know here are all part of that. Sometimes everybody's got, we're we're exhausted. We've been doing this, and we're going all through all these other things. And it seems that things get more, you know, when there's fewer people, more things, all the things still need to get done, so there's fewer people to do it. Some leadership says we're just too exhausted. God says to all of them and to us, as he did to Joshua, be strong, be brave, be fearless, be obedient, and I'll be with you, even in that. Next slide. When we had all the ways in which we tried to do things before COVID, they may not be the way that we do things now. (laughs) I taught this year a course to my students in Jordan from their homes because they all came to Jordan from from Iraq and Syria and Egypt and uh, other countries. I taught them through Zoom, four hours a day, and they were, and it is, it is, you got to say something, wait to translate it, interact, and all the rest. It's, I, I love being there, and for the last 10 years, I've always been there to teach courses from three weeks to seven weeks from master's and doctoral level courses for them, from people all over the Arab-speaking world. I had to adapt, and I hate adapting. I like things that just keep going nicely, smoothly. I don't like changes. But how do you think growth ever occurs? Change. When I was a sophomore in high school, I was about five foot four. You can see the pictures of it. It's like 
I'm this end, and and there's a girl. And I'm thinking, I'm going to be short my whole life. My father was only 5'6". He thought he could whip the world after surviving the ship sinking in World War II. But God brought about changes in all of us. Growth always has change. It's what we do with that change. I was at a little church, and I remember that a couple older adults says, why can't we just have the music we want, and when we die, they can have it the way they want? I mean, I'm not kidding. And, we're, and, they're, and they're going, well, you know, uh, people have different, different music styles. I was doing a conference one time, and I said, you know, I'll bet... You know, and they're all going, but the music today is just abhorrent. It's terrible, all those things. I said, what did your mother think about when you listened to Elvis Presley? Well, that's different. No. Or you, did, or you listened to Glenn Miller. Or whatever it was. Every generation says, not mine, not mine, not here. But unless you keep up. Here's something I tell people about music. All music is contemporary when it's written. <laughs> All furniture is contemporary when it's constructed. Well, uh, blah, 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 blah. what we want is we want what made us comfortable in our day because that's where we're comfortable. We have to let others have their different ways of doing it. That's growth. That's change. <laughs> Leadership demands change. Otherwise, you're not a leader, you're a manager. You manage the status quo. And the status quo keeps going more quo than status. You wonder what went wrong. Leaders are the ones that look ahead, plan, think about what God is doing today, tomorrow, allowing people to have their differences. Not doctrinally, please. Not biblically, absolutely not. One time when I was president of the college, one of the men in this church came to me and said, the, the young man who preached Sunday, I, I hated it. I hated it. I go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Did he preach something in error? Oh, no, 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 not at all. Uh, did he, did he, uh, was he offensive in his language? I have a friend of mine, this guy I knew years ago, he liked to swear from the pulpit. And all the men were going, yeah, that's my guy. Wow. He wasn't doing that. I said, what really bothered you? He goes, he didn't have a jacket on. I looked at him, I said, Wayne, shame on you. He's not going to be, and this guy wore a suit, three-piece suit, every Sunday. A terrific guy. Benjamin was a Marine in World War II. He shared stories with me. I says, he says, I've never even told my wife these things, of the things he had witnessed. But yet, he didn't like change. Change happens. We today have to look at what are we doing in the fact of possible things that are going on. Next slide. Some suggestions that I want to just leave with you today. Next slide. Join in. Don't wait for COVID to be all the way over to get back into the building. You're going to find this hard to believe. Somebody's going to come down with the flu one day. Ah! 
Some of you may even get a cold. I know, I know that we've not had those for two years. It just seems odd, but just kind of strange. Go from a sniffle to dead. That's not good. So, but what are we doing to make the building synonymous with the brick and mortar church versus the community of believers? One of the things that we have at Fellowship Bible Church in Dallas, in Denver, where we've lived, excuse me, in Colorado Springs, lived in many places. And cheapers. Uh, they emphasize we are the church. We don't go to church, we're the church. We happen to meet in the building, which I have to say is one of our, we're very nicely done. You guys have decorated for, for the Christmas holidays beautifully. Well, I'm always amazed at, even in Colorado, not during Christmas, but they'll have, for the decorations, they'll have eucalyptus trees and other kinds of plants. And I'm thinking, we live in Colorado, shouldn't we have pine trees everywhere? But you see, we have to be known as a body of believers, whether we meet here or anywhere. Next slide. Join in. Pray. Pray to engage the community around us. Some people have needs. Years ago in Portland, there was a church, of an abandoned old historic church over in the what we call the northeast area of Portland. And, uh, of course, it was built in the 1800s, and it had no parking, obviously. So two young pastors went in and said, we want a whole church here. And they reconstructed the church people and all the rest, but now they have no parking. And many of the neighbors around said, don't park in front of my house. So you know what they did? They took a passage from James, and they went to every neighbor and said, what can we make your life easier? What can we help you with in your life? Do you need your lawn mowed? Do you need something done? And pretty soon the people came, you can park in front of my house. They made an impact in the community. Where there, again, there was no need to park in 1800s, but it was. So we need to pray and engage people, the neighbors around us, those people that are there. Next slide. Be witnesses. Inviting people to Christ, first of all, But then as their believers, invite them to be a part of the body of Christ. Next slide. Meet. Do not forsake the assembly of yourselves together. I remember years ago, someone goes, I don't need to go to church. I worship God on the golf course. My response is he probably didn't, he must be really, really good. Because when you're not playing really, really good, you're not worshiping. (laughs) Just saying. It's like a sailor. I didn't know how to swear. No, you swear like a sailor. I am a sailor. But that's not what it's about. It's this idea of meeting together. We need one another. Now, in some places in our world, with with B World and Zoom, we Zoom in for our meetings in Myanmar. Our good friend Arch Rutherford still Zooms in and teaches them weekly or every other week there for them and on through Zoom. And that's the only way we can get there. You can't travel there. It's banned everywhere. There. China, we're not allowed in China anymore. So we still keep things going in some other way, but we still meet together in some way. Next slide. Adapt. Wow. I don't want to adapt. I want everybody else to adapt to me. It's not the way we do things. We sometimes have to adapt. Someone said, well, you know, the young adults, they like all this music. I said, wait a minute. If you had a music team from a church in Trinidad... And they came here and they played steel drums. How many love the sound of steel drums? 
maybe quietly in the evening. But if you've been to Pan Ramage, as we have, where they have pan competition of a hundred drums, it's interesting. But what would we do for those people? Give them an opportunity to worship God in the way they do it because we know they see things differently. Our next generation of young adults are our foreign field. More foreign than we like sometimes, but they are. How do we let them express that without violating biblical mores and all the rest of it? We need to adapt to what's going on. You know, it's kind of like, I'm going to read this till I die. And you go, I'll see you later. Next slide. See the crowd. When you see people, meet with them. Find ways of communicating. Next slide. Equip the saints for the work of ministry. Ephesians 4 tells us that God has appointed prophets and apostles Evangelists and pastors and teachers. What are their, those aren't spiritual gifts. What are they? In the passage it said, they are the ones that equip the saints. The saints are all the people, you know, open up, see all the people. They're the ones that do the work of ministry. But he appoints certain ones to be equippers. To equip you to how to evangelize, to equip you how to teach, to equip you how to shepherd and care for people. But the prophets and apostles, that, that foundation has already been laid. That's the word of God. So we can do that. We need to equip the saints to be able to do the work of ministry. Next slide. But whatever we do, do it unto the Lord to do our best. I got to tell you, your worship team was outstanding. I don't know them very well, but they did a great job of engaging everybody here. And I, and, that, and I visit lots of churches. I have a friend of mine who was a pastor, and he didn't like the way the music team did it, so he took over the worship team. He didn't like the way certain people taught in the Sunday school, so he took over the Sunday school. One day, the elders came to him and said, Goodbye. You can't do that. Do they do it the way you would want to do it? Well, you would do it. Maybe not. But do it unto the Lord. Next slide. Listen to advice. Accept instruction. There's always room to learn. I am more than a professor. I am a learner. I read a lot. I evaluate what I read on different subjects, on all areas. But I've had the benefit of years of foundation work. I tell students at Dallas, if you don't get take your time and learn the languages and all the things you're going you're gonna to need, you won't have time when you get out. Do it now. Get that foundation firm. Then you can do all the other things. Next slide. Become, allow people to be a part by baptizing them to be a part of this local assembly. To be able to find out ways. Find new ways. You know, with all this, all this six feet of all this and all the separation, all the rest. You know, it's kind of like, no, I can't shake your hand. Well, certainly I'm not going to give you a hug and I'm not going to kiss you. <laughs> so we have to find ways in which we integrate people into the congregation to still make them feel that way. Next slide. 
bring all the gifted saints into full service. How many have a spiritual gift? Raise your hand. How many are believers that don't have a spiritual gift? Don't raise your hand. Every believer, every believer, all believers, have spiritual gifts. All. And if we're not determining what that is, we're letting somebody else do something that they're not gifted at because I don't know what to do with what I am. Discover what it is. Put it into service. Churches are neglected in that for so many years. Next slide. That's it. Those are the things I wanted to share with you. It can be scary, the unknown. But it doesn't have to be driving down the freeway with your lights off. Do you ever notice that when you put your lights on, when you leave the house, it doesn't light up your destination? Unless you're going across the street. Unless you're, what's that, and what's that movie, that show with Ray? His parents lived across the street or something. You know, it's not that. It, it, he gives you just enough light to do what? To go safely at certain speeds. Now, we'll have to live, live with this. You don't know, may not know this, but Arch has a new car. It has two, two sets of keys. One of them for normal people and one you don't give to anybody. Because it lets the full 800 horsepower at your disposal. And it's kind of fun to drive. It just is. I've driven it and it's like, whoa, this is nice. Everyone else in the car, I think, you know, as they gripped the strips and came off the ceiling. But you see, he only gives us enough light to get the distance that's safe. So adapt to do all these things. God has some wonderful things for 2020. But they're not going to be easy. Let me close. Father, thank you for this time together, for your word, for the book of Joshua, and all that is involved in entering into the land as the leadership of this church with elders, that they will be wise in leading and that people will be good followers of your word. And as they lead forward through this time, and not instead of it, we can't isolate, we can't start a new commune. Oh, that was my generation. But yet, Lord, give us the strength to do it to your glory. Thank you for your goodness, your watchful care over us, and your message of life that is simple through faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. Nothing else. No promises. No feeling sorry for all the bad things. But yet, you fully accept us as we are. Thank you for this church for the faithfulness in their ministry to us, to many missionaries, and to one another most of all. We thank you in Jesus Christ. Amen.